You are listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, where it's all about responding with confidence to the legal, financial, and personal challenges created by disability, unexpected illness, or simply aging in general. Join us weekly as elder law attorneys Tim Takis, Barbara McGinnis, Chris Johnson, and other members of the Takis McGinnis Elder Care Law Team talk about the tools, techniques, strategies, and services that will make the elder care journey easier for everyone involved. Get ready, because aging starts now. All right. Good morning. Welcome to Aging Starts Now. I'm Barbara McGinnis, and in this episode, number 43 of Aging Starts Now, we're going to be talking about the flu vaccine with local physician Don Lynn. Welcome, Dr. Lynn. Good morning. Thank you so much for inviting me. Oh, absolutely. Um, Flu season is always rough. This year, we know it's even going to be worse or more important, at least, if not worse. So when is officially flu season? Well, typically, we consider flu season to actually start as early as August in some cases. And it goes through to about March or even April, depending on uh, the year. But typically, we start seeing cases more so in August, even though, interestingly, you can see it all through the summer. People think, oh, you can't possibly have the flu in the summer. But if you get flu-like symptoms in the summer, it is important that you still get checked because it could still be the flu. Well, so basically, flu season is really possibly all year, but we think about it being fall to spring, basically. More in the winter months. That's, you know, and and they, you know, interesting about colds in general or viruses, which flu is a virus, which is kind of some of the confusing things that people seem to think, oh, there's not as many in the summer. But the fact is that there are as many, but we tend to congregate more in the wintertime, which is how it spreads a little bit more. So some of the very same advice we hear about preventing uh, COVID-19 infection applies to the flu. If we're going to be Absolutely. inside. It's all about the congregation. Um, yeah. And, and the, and the airflow, right? So that we're in a enclosed space and we don't have, you know, whatever the rate of exchange of the air or whatever that impacts it as well, I guess. It can. So, yeah. So we, we take the flu shot in, in a hopes of, preventing the flu or at least mitigating how sick we're going to be from the flu, who should take the flu shot? Uh, Everybody should take a flu shot. The the flu vaccine is what we're calling a flu shot. It's a vaccination. And Mm -hmm. the hopes is that we get it right. That's really how it works. It's a vaccination basically prepares your body to deal with an infection. So if we receive a vaccination, it tells your body, Hey, warriors, let's get this. This is going to attack us potentially at some point, And we need you to be prepared. And we never want an army to face an unknown uh, enemy. So we're basically preparing our army to face an enemy by, by showing, showing it what it might do to our body. And that's what a vaccination is. And that's how all vaccinations work. So we say get the flu shot and hopefully it'll not just prevent you. If it doesn't prevent you, it'll make your disease much more mild. And the flu shot is necessary to get every single year because it changes every year. The flu is a virus, so it's a strain that can change and become a different type of flu. As we've seen historically in the past, we've seen much worse flu seasons and better ones. So it is important that you get it every year. 
And that's why some people say, oh, it's not that effective. And it's like, well, because there's all kinds of viruses and maybe the virus, the flu virus you get infected with is not the strain that you were that you received the vaccination for, right? Isn't that kind of how it works? That is a possibility. The flu vaccine is developed annually based on history. So we watch how the flu affects the rest of the world, which flu strain is prevalent, which flu strain is traveling, and then we try to prepare ourselves based on which flu strains are most prevalent that year. And there are some years we get it right and we do a great job, and there are some years when it's only about 30% accurate. So it's, it's an edge educated guess. It's not just a blind guess, however. Right. We do watch trends. We do watch uh, other organizations and other countries to see what they're going through. So we, we try to prepare based on what everybody else is going through. Is there some people that should not take the flu shot? Well, there is a rare uh, subset of people who shouldn't have the flu shot based on you know past history of adverse effect. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, there's some very rare immunization problems that can occur with general immunizations. And then, of course, those people would know, but it is so super rare. Uh, and then, of course, there is a, um, there's some re- suggestion that there's some egg allergy interaction, but you should talk to your doctor about which flu shots might be safe uh, depending on your allergies. Because apparently not all vaccines are developed the same sort exactly, of way. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, what about if you're immunocompromised? Does that make any difference? It makes a big difference. You should definitely get it. Okay. <laughs> you do not want, to, you know, there's especially our, we hear, um, I know my fellow rheumatologists would agree, they, they always recommend their people to get flu vaccinated because they want to really reduce their risk for uh, infection. Your immune compromised patients are at a higher risk for getting an infection. And since the flu vaccine is preparing your army inside your body to fight this enemy, you definitely don't want to go to go into it unprepared. So immune compromised people should absolutely uh, consider their flu vaccination according to their re- doctor's recommendation because we do not want them to be unprepared to fight this enemy. And you know, uh, and just another side question along those lines, if you have an immune compromised family member, then regardless of whether or not you think you are going to weather the potential flu well or not, you should be taking that flu shot to protect them, I would think. That is absolutely correct. There's definitely no reason for you to think that you're going to hurt someone inside your household by getting a flu vaccination. There are a lot of myths around the flu vaccine. Um, My favorite one, of course, and I still face it every day in the office when people ask, well, the last time I got the flu vaccination, I got the flu. And I always respond with, well, you might have gotten the flu, but it was not from your vaccination. It is actually impossible, scientifically impossible, to get the flu from the vaccination because it is a what we call a dead virus. There are some vaccinations where that are live viruses that you get when you're younger, um, and they are actually the live virus that we are putting inside your body, and it's a very tiny low dose. Those are different. The flu vaccine is not alive. It cannot attack you. It cannot form a viral infection, so it's actually impossible for it to do that. So you may have coincidentally get a different strand of flu, or you may have just developed as your antibodies and, and T cells or whatever, you may just have some sort of 
I don't know, response, but, but it's not the flu. Well, it might be the flu, but the thing is, is that you didn't get it from the vaccine. You can get it because perhaps you came in contact with the flu a few days before you got your vaccine. It does take about two weeks for the vaccine to be fully effective. So if you Mm -hmm. came into contact with someone who had the flu or you uh, came in contact, excuse me, came into contact with the virus itself, of course, you could absolutely get the flu because it's basically, um, it was already there. You came into contact somehow. And there are some people who get a little bit of chills and a little bit of um, very, very mild side effects from the flu vaccination. And that's typically because their body is mounting a response, that their body's doing its job. But during that time, you might feel a little more weak or a little more tired and you might be more susceptible to getting the the virus outside of uh, your house or in contact with another person. You know, that kind of makes me think too, that I I used to hear this a lot, um, that when people, somebody gets sick during the the winter months and it's flu season, every little cold or set of sniffles, people go, oh, I got the flu. Well, (laughs) you don't, right? I mean, the flu really makes you sick usually. Yeah, sorry. Sorry about that. The, The flu can really be, a a very debilitating illness. The flu is absolutely uh, a virus that you do not want. Uh, But fortunately, when you get the flu vaccine, if you get, you can still get the flu. People say, well, I got the flu vaccine. Well, that's, that's great because what I say is just because you got the flu, that means when you had the vaccine, you weren't as sick as you possibly could have been. So the vaccine can still help you fight it even better, even if you still get the flu. Mm-hmm. The the vaccine itself, like I said, may be completely effective for you to avoid it. But in general, it does help mount a response in your body so that you help, hopefully will have a better way of fighting it. And, you know, like we began with saying, uh, the flu uh, is serious, something to take serious every year. Taking the flu vaccine is, is good, um, you know, preventive health practice every year. But this year, everything seems more so important as we're also dealing with the the COVID-19 pandemic still. Um, and I think that's part of the reason why I want people to understand that there's a good reason to take the flu shot, even if you haven't been a flu vaccine partaker in the past this year, because it just helps your immune system. Right. It, well, and the thing is, is we don't know right now any symptom you have. We don't know what it is. We don't know if you have the flu. We don't know if you have a common cold. I mean, just in my private practice alone, we've been overrun with COVID patients in the past few weeks. And it's getting more common as we see it spread, as that's what viruses do. Viruses spread. They're going to do that. So that is why it's super important that we stay hypervigilant. And interestingly, though, the Southern Hemisphere did not experience the same uh, horrible flu um, amount of flu illnesses that they typically do. And they credit that to uh, the hand-washing routines that people are being hypervigilant about and, and masking and avoiding large crowds. So they did not have the flu season they expected, which I will tell you so far this year, I have not seen many flus, though they have been around. I know my colleagues have seen them. The emergency rooms have seen them. But we're uh-huh. hoping, actually, that the flu season may be lessened by the fact that more people are wanting to get their immunization and more people are being really cautious about being out in public and wearing their masks than just being safe in general. 
Well, there's some little silver lining there, right? Right. That's what we hope for. Yeah, exactly. One other vaccine that I'd love to hear your thoughts on is the pneumonia vaccine. Who should take that? It's absolutely not the same as the flu vaccine. Who should take it and when do we take it? Yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up. The pneumonia vaccine is often confused with the flu vaccine, and it's a little bit different in that pneumonia in itself is uh, caused by a pneumococcal disease. That's the fancy scientific word for it. And that's actually a bacterial infection. So when most people think about uh, a flu vaccine and the pneumococcal vaccine, they don't recognize the different things that we're treating. One of the biggest fallacies I see in medicine is that everybody thinks that as soon as they get pressure in the nose or a little drainage in the nose, oh, I need an antibiotic. I've, I've got a sinus infection. And that's actually not true. A majority of the time, you should never use an antibiotic. You should actually just uh, discuss with all your concerns with your physician because you might have a virus and a virus cannot be treated with an antibiotic. And the majority of times that you have the pressure and the nose and the, and and in the face, and you're getting that sinus pressure, that is not going to be treated with an antibiotic. Pneumococcal is a bacterial infection. That's the pneumonia vaccine. We actually have two prevalent uh, pneumonia vaccines right now. This is kind of new in the past several years. It used to be that the pneumonia vaccine was just a one and done. You turn 65, you got one shot, you were good to go. Um, but they've actually changed that now. So there's one called a Pneumovax and one called Prevnar. And so people think, okay, that, that's un- very confusing. <laughs> and it is, it is a little bit. Fortunately, our pharmacists have done a, a, an incredible job at keeping up with people's pneumonia vaccines. Um, and, and so if you, if you aren't getting it at your doctor's office, your pharmacy is, is doing that and they're keeping up with their records very well. It was once believed, like I said, that you only got one shot and you were done, but they've since changed the guidelines and it's recommended that you actually get a booster depending on when you got your first pneumonia vaccine. So Mm -hmm. it really is a conversation that you need to have with your physician and say, hey, I think I had a pneumonia vaccine. Can you check when this was? If you have risk factors like smoking or or asthma, they're actually recommended that you get um, a pneumonia vaccine between ages 19 and 64. So it doesn't just have to be our elderly. So it is something oh. that you need to discuss with your physician based on uh, your history and your risk factors. All right. Well, I know they always uh, would ask me about my mom's vaccines and stuff. And so I tried to keep up with, tried to keep up with them. Um, but I it's think a that's, lot. It's like it is a lot to keep up with. You're used to keeping up with it when you're a kid because you got to go to school and you have to have your record with you. You know, and I tell everybody, um, and and I know you you guys probably do this too. uh, The Tennessee Department of Transportation has done an incredible job with their yellow dot program. But I've, um, and we could talk about that for briefly, but basically everybody should have a copy of their health history in their wallet, in their purse, in their car to carry with them because it's hard to remember all these things. You know, when you had your vaccines should be recorded on paper, your emergency contact, all your medications, all of your allergies. And of course, that's a whole nother podcast for later. But I bring up the T-Dot basically because they have this beautiful system that lets people know your health history. So writing down your immunizations is just as important for adults as it is for kids. You need to have that with you if you should you go to the hospital or should you go to a specialist outside your primary care office. You're a great guest, Dr. Dr. <laughs> Lynn, and I would love to have you back for, for us to talk about some of those preventive health um, 
ideas and how you can be a more proactive patient. So uh, thank you for today. Yes, Yes, ma'am. I appreciate you inviting me. All right. Well, that's it, guys, for today, episode number 43 of AG Starts Now. Check us out each week as we produce new um, podcasts with interesting guests like Dr. Lynn. Thanks so much. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast. For more information about today's show, visit tn-elderlaw.com, click on the free resources tab, and then click on Aging Starts Now. You'll find the show notes there. And while you're at it, why not check out all the free resources available at tn-elderlaw.com? Document downloads, the Tagus McGinnis blog, educational videos, informative articles, helpful links, a TV show, and more. It's all there free for the taking. If you enjoy listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, please subscribe, rate the show, or leave us a review. It's easy to do on whatever app you use to listen. We would love your feedback on the show. Aging Starts Now. We'll be back next week with more candid discussions about challenges created by aging, disability, and unexpected illness.